Calling all freaks, weirdos, outcasts, ghouls, and lonely souls. Music's Metaphor is chillingly pleased to bring you the Lonely Souls Virtual Festival on Saturday, October 23rd at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Join us for the first annual Mental Health Halloween Music Festival. The spectacular event will feature independent artists from the USA and beyond. For Depression Awareness Month, we hope to encourage and empower people who might be feeling afraid, anxious, depressed, or alone this fall. Special VIP $5 tickets will give a Halloween bag for a child in need in Orange County, California. No tricks, just treats. Get your tickets at musicsmetaphor.com. This is Winging It, the somewhat whimsical, certainly worrying, decidedly wonky, seldom weighty, endlessly well-intentioned, and wildly witty show about music where one knows what's coming and the other doesn't. This happens in between both proper to ensure you can spend anywhere from 15 to 180 minutes with us every week. So, what are we talking about this time? Well, I'm glad you asked. You didn't, but you indicated interest. I know I only would have done so just now because that's the cool thing about this show is the showrunner has decreed that there's no preparation for it. Indeed. You know, and, and well, she is a realist. She she knows I wouldn't do it anyway. So True, right. She, uh, that's the, the beauty of the show. And But I would really appreciate it if you could write in and tell Christina you... I'm going to sound a little bit scratchier tonight because I have these lovely menthol eucalyptus cough drops. Mm. And Christina has this, I don't know, this unfounded belief that you can hear them on the show, me clicking and slurping as she claims. Please write to her and tell her, you do not hear me clicking and slurping so I can get back to sucking on my cough drops during the show. Okay. Okay. We are ready. If the last outburst has stopped and if everybody's in... uh, Yes, your outburst, absolutely. (laughs) If everybody's in uh, airplane mode and uh, everybody's in compliance here. Okay, let's do it. Well, anyway, now with that uh, strange aside, which I like, um, what are we going to talk about today? This is the question of the hour, the question of the day, the question of the year, maybe, perhaps, depending. But today, courtesy of whatculture.com, we are going to be talking about perfect rock songs that divided the bands. So it's interesting because we're not doing the exhaustive list that I found. We're going to do just a little smattering, just a just a few, because we just don't have that level of time. It's supposed to be a short show. Okay? It's supposed to be a short show. So, I um, wonder if this will surprise you. So, I don't know what you may or may not have heard, but this is interesting. And some of them are songs we know very well. Some are going to be songs you don't necessarily love or that I don't necessarily love, but interesting nevertheless. So, Kisses Beth. If you're catering strictly to the rock audience, showing you of a soft side couldn't get much better, obviously, than this track. The only problem was the band was pissed to even go through with it. Producer Bob Ezrin's idea to make the song a full orchestral arrangement went about as well as you think it would for this band, right? They're like, please. This is a band that was known to don demonic faces, you know, their little demonic face paint every time they took to the stage. So they weren't convinced of its potential, deciding to just release it as a B-side to... 
Wow. What was Beth the B-side of? Mm-hmm. I honestly don't know, believe it or wow, not. Wow, that's crazy. Detroit Rock City. Oh, I was going to say that, but it's too <laughs> obvious. Yeah. The Catman missing his girl back home had just enough strange charm to it to become one of the biggest songs of the band's entire career. It may not have had balls-to-the-wall sort of appeal, but you can imagine that those royalty checks did not hurt either. Are you surprised by this? The band hated this song. Uh, no, I didn't know. I know it's their biggest song. I didn't know they hated it or, uh, no, no. They just didn't think it was going to work. Oh, well, I could, yeah, I can't understand their reluctance, but I mean, you know, I, I thought they liked it. Peter Chris did write it after all, or co-write it anyway. So that remains a fan favorite. And I remember, everybody, we were so impressed. It was like, wow, look at this new direction for Kiss, you know, after the three albums and then Kiss Live. And then they come up with the story of Bob Ezrin puts a whole new face on him. It's, it was really amazing. And Beth, yeah, and it's still a concert favorite. In fact, Eric Singer, who's currently the drummer of KISS, who also played with Alice Cooper and Black Sabbath, uh, wears the cat makeup now, and he plays, unlike Peter Chris, he actually pr- plays the grand piano on stage and sings the song today. So it's mm. a still, a, a still a fan favorite. Uh, all these, what, 40 years later or something. So, uh, no, that doesn't, it surprises me that they didn't uh, believe in it at first. I thought they were dying to go in that direction. But see, no. even I learned something about a, a lifelong fave. No, they thought it was fine when they heard the demo, but for whatever reason, then poor, poor Bob said, I'm up in the ante, let's put some orchestra behind it. And they were like, oh, fuck no. Do you know who we are? Yeah. <laughs> I remember one of them, I think it was Gene Simmons' quote, saying, we are not traveling around with some hair lip orchestra. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> and yet... And yet, what is Kiss Alive for? It's with an orchestra. That's so. <laughs> right, exactly. So, you know, he's learned... Well, this is one that I really, really love. People hate it. Uh, maybe it's because of saturation, but I love it. Guns N' Roses, Sweet Child of Mine. Ah, yeah. Now, when you're one of the greatest riff crafters of all time, like Slash is, you're going to have some songs you like playing more than others, and we know all bands love have a love-hate relationship with some of their hits, right? Oh, sure. <laughs> Absolutely. So a song that you hated from the moment you played it became a classic. Imagine that. So he, being Slash, never wanted to make Sweet Child of Mine uh, riff into a song in the first place so Axl Rose's bedroom was right above the rehearsal space and Slash was surprised to find that the singer came downstairs complete with most of the lyrics to the song intact having written them as a love letter to his girlfriend at the time now when he heard Slash jamming that's that's what he heard and he wrote a song and Slash wasn't even trying to do a song no I was embarrassed myself to learn uh, this was on an earlier winging it that uh, there was a multiple choice of which band uh, hit song was written as off of a string skipping exercise. Yes, and I didn't guess "Sweet Child of Mine." What the hell's wrong with me? Exactly. But yeah, it is exactly that. It's a string skipper. Yep. And uh, a lot of songs like Paul McCartney it was uh, "Martha My Dear" was yes. one that he used to just practice on the piano with. You know, right? And uh, Slash wasn't even making it a song, and Axel saw something great in there, and what a masterpiece they came up with. Yep. Although Slash was able to sprinkle in some fireworks toward the end of the song, he still never really liked it, didn't click with him, and he performs it out of necessity. Wow. That's brutal, because I I still, to this day, as many times as I've heard that fucking song, I love it. You know, I... He's got a, he goes he gets to go off so many times on that song. It's he hard does. to believe he doesn't love that, you know. He does I know, I don't when, I don't when know. When there's no singing, when Axel shuts his pie hole, when he just gets the jam, I mean he's gotta dig those those are some wicked leads on that song. Yeah, I don't it's apparently he doesn't. Wow. He just plays it out of necessity. Now, that's the question too of the day. Would you rather them not play the song because they really don't want to play it, or would you rather them play it and hate it? 
That's no, tough. I, I actually like going with if the band changes their mind. For example, like everybody's uh, shook that the Stones dropped brown sugar from the from the tour, and it's just like they've been uh, they've been doing that thing for for you know forty years or something like that. Come right. on, you know. Um, yeah, uh, I, I don't mind that at all. If they if they don't do the absolute, it's a little weird. The only thing that I object to on a concert is if they play a whole shitload of songs that haven't been released yet. That's not cool, you know. But as long <laughs> hey, they as have a captive audience, <laughs> you know, it's true. I saw the Hollywood Vampires like you know uh, a few weeks before their album came out, and they played a whole half the album. It was just like, wow, it's like I don't even know this shit yet, you know, except for the one song. Now you do. But now I do, but it was great anyway. And um, the I would uh, rather them not play a song they're not into. No. Yeah, I mean, yeah. how it would it would suck, especially now to know that go see Guns and Roses. I mean, they'd be faking it, you know? right? You, and you're like, oh, he's dialing this shit right on in. All right, so the next song, interesting, interesting, is Tom Petty's Free Fallen. When Tom was first starting to put together the final track list with Jeff Lynne and Mike Campbell, bassist Howie Epstein was asked to come play bass on a handful of tracks on the album, sure, and after having to sit on his hands for majority of the session, he finally got the guts to say he didn't like the song. And he was asked to play, and he decided to leave shortly thereafter. Now, tough luck for him, considering that the song would go on to be one of the biggest songs of Tom Petty's career and launched him back into the stratosphere again. So It was. It was a huge hit. I mean, uh, I... I personally lean towards other stuff like running down a dream and stuff like that. But, I mean, Free Fallen, you know, it's it at least kind of deserves to be as popular as it is. I I like Tom Petty. I'm using like on purpose. Yeah. I love this song. Really? I love this song. Now, again. I'd rather go the other way around. I love Tom Petty, but I like this song. Yeah. So, okay. Fair enough. I uh, I don't love the vocals. I'll never. It's, I'm not a Tom Petty vocalist fan, but I really love this song. Um, I've heard it too many times now, but I, I think still the do world love it. has heard it too many <laughs> yeah. times. You know, it's a little sing-songy. She's a good yeah, girl, yeah. you know. But the first few times I heard it, I love the chorus. It's rousing. It kind of, kind of anthemic, you know, yeah. for me. Uh, but yeah, so you know, you asked to play bass on a song. Should you shut up and play bass, or should you, you know, voice your discontent? Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't you just shut up and play the bass? You don't shut have up and to play like it. the song, you know. Yeah, I didn't ask you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So, anyway, it caused problems, but um, it doesn't say, I, and I would be interested to know whether or not, um, I guess he didn't play on it because he left, and so he wasn't part of it, so wow. he didn't get anything. So, you know, you live and you learn. Here's one that might surprise you. Queen, don't stop me now. Really? Yes. Well, on the surface, it may be one of the most fun-filled Queen songs in their catalog. I freaking love this oh, song. Master. Brilliant song. Brilliant song. <sighs> Having one of the greatest drum tracks in their catalog and an absolute powerhouse performance from Freddie Mercury, it turns out that the only person not jazzed about it was Brian May. Really? He was quick to discount the song, saying that it wasn't really indicative of the Queen sound. Now, what the hell is the Queen sound? Yeah. It's all over the place. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know. It, I guess... it wasn't indicative of the Queen sound of Queen Two, right? By maybe then, not. Yeah, by then it had most certainly become part of the Queen sound. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, in in his mind, this is where Freddie was starting to spiral, and having a song all about excess wasn't sitting well with him. Yeah. So I get it. You're like, okay, so we we have this big hit with this song about just completely fucking off and going out of your head, and 
you know, my friend, as he's saying it is suffering, is, you know, going into this dark place. Leave it to Brian May to talk trash on one of his band's signature tracks and yet still come out looking like a diplomatic person at the end of it. Of course, because he's, you know, elder statesman. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's very interesting. I mean, the whole the comments about, hey, this is not Queen's sound. But I wonder if it <laughs> didn't have more to do with his just concern for his friend. But. Maybe it wasn't in his mind the sound that Queen should be going for. But then you could say that about so many of their tracks on so many of their albums. Yeah, by the time the jazz album had come out, we had been totally used to Off the Rails Absolutely. Camp, where Don't Stop Me Now is downright uh, conservative it by is. comparison. <laughs> it is. <laughs> That's I a agree. normal song compared to the directions they go in and far, far, even farther off the rails than that on the future albums. Yes. And uh, that's what was so fascinating about Queen. So imagine those discussions between you know, the bandmates about this song is not a song that we should be doing. And Brian's like, yeah. And he's like, no. And he's like, yeah. And I mean, <laughs> Brian May, with all due respect, you wrote the band's lamest song in Tie Your Mother Down, so just be quiet, okay? I it's love that song. I mean, it's, it's fair. I love that song. Now, you know, it's funny. The last two acts you mentioned, or two of the last three, it just came up today. Some random rock page on Instagram and said, Slash, or it showed Slash and Brian May playing together. And it said, Slash or Brian May. And it's just like, I don't even have to think about oh, that one. come on. And, Almost everybody was Slash. And oh, were Brian May. Was like, oh, totally What are you Brian talking May. about? It's oh, Brian yeah. May. Come Brian on. May. Uh, what all, you, all day long. Are you deaf? I number mean, th- I don't... Number three goat. I'm very concerned if you're yeah. saying Slash. Not that Slash isn't great. I'm not saying he is, that. He's great. Yeah. I'm just saying, if it's Slash or Brian May, see you later, Slash. Get yeah. in the boot. So here's one. In my life, the Beatles. This one divided the band. But it's an interesting reason why this one divided the band. So... Being one of the most celebrated songs in the group's catalog, most of the disagreements are about credit. Wow. Who wrote this song? They can't decide who wrote what. We know this is an age-old problem. Although John Lennon had mentioned time and again that this was his song through and through, Macca claims that what John came in with was a sketch and that he had started to finish it up by the time it was actually recorded. So even still, there still doesn't seem to be any clear answer as to who actually wrote the section. Which section? Sorry, not the mm-hmm. section. Which? Since most of the archives are just run-throughs of the songs, as we know. Then again, that's the beauty that become that uh, that's the beauty that comes with the Beatles songwriting. Sometimes you end up with, you know, writing something so good that you know that both of you want to have credit for it or take sole credit for it. You're not wanting to share credit. So this one's still apparently still up in the air as far as who wrote the song, and that caused major issues in the band. As long as them, none of them were mutants who actually didn't like the song. You know, that would be a real that problem. That would be a problem. They would be cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers in that case. But, but So you could say that the Beatles could be that? If they didn't like that song? Okay, yeah, I, I right. think I think that's criminal enough. Oh, wow. I've personally always attributed it to Lennon. And uh, it's, uh, it's you, but you have a you have a see you have a pension for him so that that concerns me because well, no it, it just it, sounds like something he would come up with. And, see, I don't and, see, I think it's the other way. It's yeah. so interesting. I really did. I thought, oh no, this is a McCartney song. Yeah, McCartney gets this sentimental, obviously. But uh, I, for some reason, I always kind of now that you got now you got me thinking about it and right? how much of a McCartney song it is. But I had always blindly accepted that it was just a Lennon song. Well, he wants you to blindly yeah. accept it <laughs> as well, and so I have <laughs> until now. Yeah. Until I, I, until my whole world was shaken, you know, <laughs> till some doubt was added. 
All right. So now this one is probably not going to shock you, but Fleetwood Macs go your own way. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, no, really? <laughs> nearly half the tracks on that album could be on this list, right? Yeah. This entire album revolves around the fallout that was happening with the romantic relationships in the band. Not everyone was getting along or doing great. Um, so the saltiest one, I think we can all agree, is go your own way. It's pretty bad. Um, the song is nothing but Lindsay talking trash about how Stevie is being standoffish and she was never really in love with him. And of course, she gets her say with dreams. But having to sing backup on this song every night probably didn't mm, create any olive branch moments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was quite a dynamic in that band, but great song. I mean, I honestly, the personal conflicts... Really don't care all that much. Uh, even if they totally faked it, if everything was harmonious, you come up with a song that great. That's all I ask is that you entertain me. I don't care about how genuine it is. And well, but that doesn't. You just totally contradicted yourself no. because we said if the band isn't feeling it, they shouldn't play it anymore. So she's pain. She doesn't want to play it. She's not feeling it, but she's doing it. So she's dialing it in, isn't oh, she? Oh, 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 actually performing the song. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it was a monster hit, but I mean, imagine. You have to go, you break up with somebody and you go out every night and sing back up on a song that's like, you're a bitch, you suck, why don't we just go our own way, fuck you. I mean, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. That sucks. And she's like, go your own way. She's like, fuck you, you know, the whole time. So that's brutal. That's that's some getting even at a whole different level, I think. All right, the final song we're going to talk about today is Stairway to Heaven, Led Zeppelin. What? Led Zeppelin's eight-minute epic feels more like we're being taken on a journey uh, with the song rather than an actual piece of rock and roll, some might say. On the other hand, though, it turns out that Robert Plant has heard better. Plant was never eager to revisit Stairway, saying that he started to distance himself from the song once touring for the album had wrapped, which we kind of know he has a love-hate relationship. And as he grows older, he has seemed to grow even more bitter toward his masterpiece, saying that he would break out in hives if he ever had to perform it again. Plant has said that he's had a lot of fun writing it, saying that the lyrics were practically writing themselves by the time he'd gotten finished uh, the finished piece of music from Jimmy Page. Now... That's great, but imagine this is your monster hit, yeah. and it's the song you want to distance yourself from most that you wrote. So it certainly caused, obviously, some strife in the band, because it, even if they had, let's say they had, theoretically, reunited, he wouldn't have wanted to do this song live, which is their biggest song, arguably. Right. So how weird would that have been? I mean, he still publicly says horrible things about this song, and then he would break out in hives. Again, it's that whole, I don't want to perform that song anymore. I'm tired of performing the song, but... And I, I would totally understand if they didn't. I mean, uh, they they drop songs. Bands do drop songs, and fans may not like it, but I understand. If you don't want to play, who doesn't do My Generation anymore? Thank God. They do an, an acoustic... <laughs> <laughs> None of the whole the whole big epic of it. They do an acoustic uh, "Won't Get Fooled Again." Just towns and adultery, and it's fine, you know. So I'm not, it's not like they have to do anything. And uh, Zeppelin uh, used to always be forced to close with "Stairway." And now they just throw it in the set, you know, several songs before the end. But uh, they dropped songs. They didn't in 1977. They didn't do "Dazed and Confused" at all. They just dropped "Dazed and Confused" completely. And uh, you know, it was all right. Uh, okay, yeah, they did "Stairway," sure, but. I don't want anybody to do a song they hate. I can't imagine why he would hate a great song like that. Although he has said that it's someone said something about blah blah blah. Stairway, your definitive song, and he said it's not. 
Cashmere is. Cashmere is the song that Robert Plant identifies as the definitive Led Zeppelin song. I didn't know he was tired of Stairway, though. It's too bad. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's so hard because I'm just telling you, and I've told you this before, so our audience is rolling their eyes with the repetition, but if I go to a concert and I've been listening to you my whole life, I'm going to want to hear the fucking hits. I am. I have an expectation. I do. And I'm okay if you throw in some new shit that I've never heard as long as you play my old fucking favorites. I'll go as far as to say, okay, if you're going to play a song like a favorite, you know, a fan favorite and everything, um, even if either you totally reinvent it and do it a, a different way like Page and Plant were doing this, you know, world music version of a lot of this stuff. If you're going to do something weird like that or do an acoustic version of Won't Get Fooled Again, that's fine. But don't do it the regular way and totally adulterate the melody and just, you know, rip, tear the melody to pieces and don't even sing it, though anything like it's supposed to be. That is painful to listen to. Yeah, I wouldn't want them to. You're right. I wouldn't want them to do that. I also don't like the rearranging of the fucking song. I've learned the song. Mm-hmm. I've grown up with the song. I've listened to it 700 times and now you're going to fuck up my song. I want to hear it. I know you would make an exception for a Queen's uh Full band version of We Will Rock You. Okay, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's an exception. And that was, wasn't was that a kick-ass moment in the concert? Oh, my God. The concert starts up. It's when 1977, 8, mm-hmm. folks. Concert starts up, and they're play- And you have all their albums, and they're playing a song you don't know. And I you're can't like, even. you're like, oh, holy shit is this. Absolutely. And it's, um, it's the live We Will Rock You from Good Live Lord. Killers. That was the tour that I saw. And um, you have no idea what's going on until Freddie Mercury says, buddy, you're a boy. And you go, holy shit, this is a, this is a full band version of We Will Rock You. And it totally wails. Um, yeah, I don't mind a little playing around now and then, I gotta say. Well, as long, but again, if I, I kind of like that whole, like, uh, I don't know, going to the acoustic version. I'm okay with that, but could you start it acoustic and then finish it the way that it was written? Just help a bitch out here, because I am trying to hear this live. I've come here to hear my favorites with you, to be in your energy, to hear it, and you don't play it. I wait the whole time. And that's like again going to a Queen show, not hearing "We Will Rock You." I would, I would protest. I protest. protest. <laughs> I'd write them a letter, give them I, a piece of my it mind. It would be strongly worded. <laughs> I might even go to social media about this. That'll that's show right. them. That'll show them. <laughs> I will never come to your concert again unless you play "We Will Rock You." It just—I don't know. I get it because I, but I, I keep thinking one of the things that I think, and again, I'm not a band who's been playing the same songs for 30 years some 23 there you go but i can't these are my babies right these are our babies and of course i love some more than others but i can't imagine going i never want to play in summation again i never want to play the abduction of jane doe again and we played it hundreds of times now i don't even know how i love that song well that's true it's just interesting i can't imagine Hating it. Now, th- are there songs? I will never tell anyone. Are there some songs that ah, I'm like, I'm there. like. Ah, now the other shoe drops. <laughs> that I'm like, okay, I love this song, but not as much as I love this song. Yeah, of course. I yeah. mean, I have that where I'm like, oh, God, I can't wait to sing this song, but I'm not going to refuse to sing it. And if, let's say, In Summation was our breakout hit, number one hit, and in 20 years, am I still going to play In Summation? Hell yeah, I'm going to play it because you motherfuckers start loving me for that song. I owe it to you when you come and pay to see me that means you have to do divergence for me <laughs> of course of course <laughs> no you don't you got Any a whole t- album full of songs anytime you, know? you are in the audience it'll be like is uh david more in the audience then you'll be backstage so i'll be like uh no he's backstage and um this is for you 
It's just too bad the folks won't hear about this before your show. That's true. That's yeah. true. Exactly. That's true. It's sad. But well, as I'm sure of the you'll, airing, I'm sure you'll make them abundantly aware of it on social media. <laughs> <laughs> I have already, actually. Uh, I, I, knew, I, I doubted it not. No, you could not. So... That's kind of the end of it, but very interesting, you know, to hear that some of the biggest hits really kind of caused some strife in the band or caused some, you know, I guess, stress or strain, even on just on one person, but sometimes the entire band. So, hey, very it, weird. It is. some Even ones that people love, for example, Kiss. Gene Simmons hates doing the do-do-do-do-do-do-do's of I Was Made For Loving You. You know, it's just one of those things. It's oh, why does that part got to be there? Yeah, I wish it wasn't there too. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, uh, if you hate a song, you cannot perform it. It's okay <laughs> with me, at least. You know, the, I I do like that song yeah. though. Yeah. That's the one. That's the see. Oh, there there are many more. I know you would. Whatever. We'll convert you someday. <laughs> it was good to have. Uh, it was good to have Tom Enroth of the Secret Weasels on there saying, you know, there's actually some good kiss out there. For on us. what? Uh, Creatures of the Night, he said, was uh, even Kiss Skeptical would like it. So you just pulled that out of the ether, and they don't know what you're referring to. We were talking about Kiss. Right, but where was Tom? Oh, that was on the... Oh, well, they they don't need to know that context necessarily, but it was on the special live birthday, our live premiere show, and we'll probably talk a little bit that, uh, about that on Winging It, I think. We, well, on Birds, anyway. I mean, on Birds. Sorry, Birds. Uh, <laughs> I get the show names mixed up, but I, <laughs> but I usually I usually appear on all of them <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> I don't know. What, do I really have to know what they're called? You know? <laughs> I've got that covered. Probably not, I got yeah. that covered. All right. all right, well, on that note... Uh, I guess that only leaves for you to say, let's fly this coop. This has been Birds of a Feather on What the Flock Radio.